Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. This podcast is designed to help open your awareness to the truth of who you are, a limitless being. You are worthy and deserving of an abundant and prosperous life. It's time to peel back the false beliefs and live the life you dream about. For additional resources or to contact me directly, please visit my website, heatherhakes.com. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 452. In today's podcast, my guest is sharing with you how to thrive and not just survive in life and most importantly, how to live in abundance. I love, love his way of teaching and metaphors and examples. You are in for a treat. Welcome to today's interview. I brought on Jamal Javanji. Jamal, welcome. Thank you so much, Heather. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. It's a pleasure. We've already had a fascinating pre-call, but for anyone new to you, please give listeners a background. Where do you live and what do you do? Yeah, uh, I live, my wife and I, we live in a little mountain community about an hour and a half east of Los Angeles. So Southern California, Big Bear, Lake Arrowhead, Crestline area. That's uh, where we're based out of. Um, I'm a life coach by profession, author, also podcaster. So that keeps me busy most days. Yes. Well, and I'm excited to have another coach on because I, you know, the whole point of the podcast is to share different perspective and lenses. And I really do feel like so many of us are saying the same thing. We're we're regurgitating it in another light. But um, being a life coach, I would love for you to share a little bit more about something you shared with me is that, um, you know, we can live a life free of suffering, but, you know, so many people are in a survival mode going through life's motions on autopilot, getting through the day, cheering on Friday, dreading Monday, week in and week out. So I would love how you can share that there can be a whole nother way. Oh, yes, totally. Where do, where do we start with that? Well, I, I like to sometimes start with just drawing the distinction between pain and suffering, you know, because pain, pain is a part of life. There are challenging things that happen to all of us. You know, I, probably this is probably a too simplistic of an analogy but a simple analogy of of this is you know we've all stubbed our toe you know you walk across the room you hit your you know hit your toe on something this could be excruciating pain when you stub your toe especially if it's your pinky toe life like the end of the world is right now and when that happens it's like world the world stops you can't think of anything you can't even think about the next moment you're in this tremendous amount of pain and it's like this is never going to end. That's how it feels when you're in it. It's like, I've just broke my leg or something. Pardon the interruption. If this content is resonating with you, please be sure to leave a five-star review. I want to offer you some additional resources. Visit my website, heatherhakes.com and sign up for my free video training on how to reprogram your subconscious mind. Again, visit my website, heatherhakes.com. I've also created a self-study course all about mindset and manifesting. You can find this on my website, heatherhakes.com forward slash course. Finally, if you are ready to deep dive and really transform your life, I offer one-on-one coaching. I will help you create clarity and a roadmap so you can live the life you dream about. Best part? Everything I teach, you can start implementing right now. 
To learn more and schedule your free discovery call, visit heatherhakes.com forward slash coaching. Now back to regular programming. And that, that happens. It, the pain will last probably a good 90 seconds or so, especially if you hit it hard. But after about 90 seconds, physiologically, they've, they've done some studies on this, that you're, 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 when you, in that first 90 seconds, your brain shifts all its resources to the pain and you're really focused on it. But after that 90 seconds, your brain starts to then, you, know, you take a deep, your breathing changes a little bit. You're able to get a little perspective. Okay. Okay. And get my bearings a little bit. And then it, it goes, it's like a wave. It's kind of like in the ocean, it, it crests, it dissipates. Pain is like that. Pain comes, it goes, it doesn't last. It's very, very temporary. Suffering, however, <laughs> very different. So the same event, let's take the same event. I stub my toe. And immediately I'm in pain, of course, for 90 seconds. But then after the 90 seconds rolls, I get angry. You know what? I don't know who left this thing right in the middle of the floor, but I, this is the story of my life. I live with inconsiderate people and nobody like picks up after themselves. Oh my gosh. I am so sick of this. I can't even walk across the floor correctly because I'm a klutz because I can't, you know, this is just a story of my life. Now I'm, there's a whole narrative. Okay. It's kind of exaggerated, but it's a narrative. And that that's meaning I've made meaning out of the event. And that's the root of my suffering. Now that's a simplistic analogy, but so many of us are doing that at a subconscious level about everything. So the events of our life are, they're not, we think they're causing suffering. No, no, they're, they may be painful. Some of them may be painful. Typically the majority of them are even not even painful, but the narratives that we're telling are coloring our whole day. So that's kind of the learning to see the distinction between the, the event that caused pain and the meaning, the narrative that caused yeah. suffering are it's, 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 it's really the doorway into the process of liberation. You know what though? I really liked that simple analogy and metaphor because as you shared in suffering, it's our choice to latch onto it, to create this narrative, to extend the suffering when it, it's, it was just a moment in time and experience. And I, that's what a lot of people happens. Um, shoot, I'm going to forget the word. I think it's an R word. Darn it. Dr. Joe Dispenza uses it a lot. But anyway, what happens is, you know, like, let's say you were married and you got divorced five years ago, but you are still telling the story about your shitty ex-spouse and you're a victim and all the things that happened to you. You have created five years of suffering more than necessary. Wow. Totally. hundred yeah. percent. It's like the room. Is it rumination? Is that the word you're thinking of? Is no, it, no, shoot. It's maybe I'll think of it, but anyway, so yeah, you know, and I, I I've shared this before, so I won't go too into detail, but I did ayahuasca a couple of years ago. And oh. honestly on that first night, my second dose, a lot of pain and suffering and using quotes here, because it was self-imposed the moment I surrendered and I asked for help laying on, on my mat. Then I got this literal, I'm very visual. I got this white waterfall rushing down and it felt like a cleanse and a clearing. And the message I heard and received was all suffering is self-imposed. Mm, absolutely. But how do we tell somebody that who is unconscious, who mm -hmm. is a victim, because when you call somebody out on that, it doesn't really go very well. <laughs> right. You know, it, and that's a great question. 
I like questions. Number one, because they're doorways, they're portals. Mm. So one of the things I like to do sometimes, especially if it's somebody who's repeating narratives a lot and they're in their own victim mindset or whatever, I like to throw out little feelers. People don't know I'm doing this all the time, but sometimes I'll, if I'm just listening, I'll say, oh, I'm so, you know, cause I, I don't want to invalidate their experience because it's their experience and they are suffering. I've been there. I totally get it. I've, I've lived in it. And, uh, but sometimes what I like to do is I'll say that that has to feel so overwhelming to, <laughs> to be in that constantly, to feel this way constantly. And they're usually like, yes, it is. It's really hard. And I say, okay, if you ever feel like you need some help with that, like getting out of that, I'd love to, I'd love to assist you in that if that's something I can do, but just let me know if you've ever, if you're, and I just kind of put the ball in their court and nine times out of 10, most people don't even catch it. They just, oh, okay, yeah. thank you. And they just move on and they stay in their suffering. But sometimes the people are like, I really need help. I mm-hmm. really could use some help. Like, okay. Yeah. Now there's an opening. There's an opening. And I like, I like to use that opening. For me, my path was a little different. I actually had somebody who did challenge me pretty abruptly. <laughs> I needed it though, because I'm pretty, I could be, you know, in my system, in my uh, story, I could be really um, hard headed, but I had went through a really dark season of my life, a really, really lot of suffering. And I remember sitting on the couch and it was late one night. I was sitting with a friend of mine and um, she was always so really just nice and gentle and really accepting and patient with me, but, but this night was different. I was sitting there and I was kind of just doing my thing, venting. I, you know, sometimes you get into that. You don't even know you're doing it. You just think you're just talking, but all my talking was venting, complaining. And she had this really irritated look on her face and it was different. And I was like, what's wrong with you? She's like, do you ever just like <clears throat> sit back and listen to yourself? Like, do you ever just like listen to, to, to the, what you're saying? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you're like a broken record. The things you say, you say over and over and over. And like, do you like what this record's playing? Like, do you like to hear that? And I was like shocked. She didn't, nobody, I was like, nobody really talks to me that way. What do you mean by that? She's like, it just gets old, doesn't it? She's like, I don't know about you, but it gets old for me hearing it. Oh, damn. It's abrupt. And I was like, I got really upset and I was offended. And I said, well, it ought to be nice. I was like, I was like you know, I would love to be fortunate to be in your position because you haven't went through, and I've listed all the things I've been going through. You, you haven't experienced this and this and this and this. You know, you're sitting from this place of privilege to mm. be able to then to then judge me for feeling this way. And she goes, no. She, she said, you know, I have been with you. I have listened to you. And she did. She had, she had literally earned the right, I think, to say that. And she said, I'm just tired of this. It, for me, it's tiring. She's like, I actually, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to bed. Good night. And I was, I was like, so you're just going to walk, walk away and just like, leave me in this, in this state. And she's like, no, I'm, I'm choosing because I'm tired. I'm choosing to go to bed. You could choose that too. Or you could do what you normally do. And you could just sit and ruminate in your victim, Mm. in your, all your misery, but you have a choice tonight. You could go to bed or you could sit in this. I'm going to bed. And she left and I'm sitting there and I was like, and, and as simple as it may sound, for the first time in my life, I realized I actually do have a choice in this matter. I was like, I never saw it until that moment, until she said, I never saw it. I just didn't see it. I just thought I was stuck. This is the, all I could do because I, it was so unfortunate what happened to me. And I was sitting there and I'm going, you know what? I could focus on this. None of this circumstances are going to change. 
tonight. This is going to be there in the morning. So how do I want to spend this evening? Like, you know, I really want to get some sleep. I was really tired. And I was like, I really want to get some sleep. So I chose to go to sleep. I slept like a baby. And when I woke up that next morning, I woke up with a new sense of excitement. I couldn't explain it. I just, I was like, wow, I really chose where I was going to put my focus. It felt empowering. And then that was the doorway to, oh, if I have a choice in this area, maybe I have a choice during the day too, not just the night (laughs) where I put my focus. And that changed, it was a game changer. It was the, it was what started the process for me. Well, it stopped the momentum. And so she's totally my kind of girl. And that's what I do. Not that it's tough love, but I'm definitely more abrupt. I'm a straight shooter. And just like her, because I've had those friends literally every time I had to hear the same old poor me shitty story. So my pattern interrupt is always, how's that working for you? (laughs) Right, right. But, you know, we need those people because without her, if she had just been a listening ear and oh, I'm you would have continued. So you needed that oh. pattern interrupt. And so I want people to be thinking and go, oh, geez, you know, are you that pattern interrupt for someone or are they resonating with the story you shared? And it's like, oh, it's time to decide, choose again. That's the art of coaching. I think that's why I found it the art of coaching is that I'm not here to, to be, to be like, I heard someone say this way, you can, are you looking for solace or are you looking for solutions? Because if you're looking for solace, don't come to a coach because the coach is there to be the pattern interrupt. I'm here to interrupt the pattern. Yeah. And I love that because that's really mm-hmm. what it's about. It's like solutions are different. If you want comfort, there's a lot of people who give you, will, will pay you for being a victim. Right. Um, totally. But like, if you want out of the pit, like a lot of people get in the pit with you because they're in the pit. <laughs> but if you want to out of the pit, you need somebody out of the pit. <laughs> right. That's not going to get in the pit with you, but will pull you out and interrupt the pattern of being in the pit. So that's a whole different ball game. Okay. So now let's talk on the flip side. You had this change in trajectory and I would love for you to share more about the idea living for a living. I believe that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. I love, love Dr. Bruce Lipton. He's so light. He's so fun and quirky and he's just a, a light. And he's like, this is our playground. We're here with our five senses to touch and feel and taste chocolate. And so I think it's, I kind of think of it as we all have amnesia. We forgot who we are. So I'd love to hear your perspective, living for a living. Living for a living. Yes. Okay. So, you know, the question people ask, like, what do you do for a living? You know, people will ask that, or what do you want to do when you're, when you're younger? When I was yeah. young, people would say, hey, what do you want to do for a living? I understand what's meant by the question, but it would always bother me. The question bothered me. The, I was like, it's living, living for, because I grew up in a household and I love my parents. And, um, you know, they come from, my, my dad came from, because uh, he grew up in the quote unquote third world and lots of poverty there and saw that, witnessed that, brought that perspective to the States with him. My mother uh, grew up in a part of Ohio we're generationally, you know, kind of connected to the whole Appalachian culture there. There's a lot of generational poverty. So the, the, that energy of just, you're just here to survive. You know, there was a frantic kind of energy of just like, it's about working really hard just to make it, just to pay the bills, just to survive. And I, I was very aware of that as a child. I really felt that. And I felt the anxiety and the, 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 the almost just this existential crisis that comes from that. And 
I didn't know what to do with it. Like most of my life, I didn't know, like, what is the point of life? And I, I remember always asking this question, like, are we just here to kind of like be like animals or just look for food, eat the food, look for food, eat the food. Basically that's the survival <clears throat> construct. And when, so when people say, what do you do for a living? I think they're not asking me what I'm doing for a living. They're asking me, what am I doing to survive? What am I doing oh. to pay the bills? Whoa. And I hate that question. You know, at networking events or meeting somebody new, that's always the first question. What do you do? So boring. Yeah. Go on. So, so it's like, it's like, they're asking me, what do I do for money and survival? But ah. that I, you could do a lot of things to survive. You know, my, I watched my parents let my mother work this job. She worked for the state of Ohio. It was a quote unquote, stable, good and paying job, good benefits, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. took care of the family. She hated her job so much that there were days that she would literally vomit in the morning when she would wake up because she dreaded her day oh to gosh. go to work. This is how yeah. she felt. And I watched that. I witnessed that my whole life. And I thought to myself, that will never, that, I can't, that can never be what I do with my life. Even though I appreciated her sacrifice, I appreciated it because that's all she knew. But I, I, at the end of the day, I thought to myself, you can leverage your life and give your life away for money and never live because living is about, you know, it's, isn't that what we're trying to do when we're on vacation? Why do people take vacations? It's because, oh, I want to enjoy the food. I want to enjoy the scenery. I want to enjoy the company I'm with, right? That's living. So it's like, yes. can you live for a living? Is it possible? I had this idea. Can it, is it possible to actually live for a living? So it took me a long time to discover that. That's actually not only possible, it's our birthright. It's why we're here because life is like, this is it right here, this moment. I like know. there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to be. Um, yeah. Most people are living for, if you're religious, you want to go to heaven, right? It's about getting to heaven. It's like, oh yeah. So it's not about this life. It's about getting somewhere in the future. So we're kind of biding our time waiting. It's the whole American dream is all about, well, do the thing you don't want to do, live a way you don't want to live so that possibly if you're lucky, you might have 10 years, 15 years at the end to experience life the way you want it. And how often does that happen? It doesn't Ugh. because we've lived so out of alignment with self for so long that by the time we even get to that age, our body is beat up and worn down and mentally, emotionally, physically, we're just all spent. So it's like this, what are we doing with this thing called life? And is it possible to live in such a way that I'm in alignment with who I am and that my passions and the things I, that, that really get me up in the morning can actually be my living be like, and I've discovered that, you know, it's kind of like an analogy I like to use is like, if you want tires, there's a couple of ways to get tires. You could go and find tires. You could go and buy tires and like stack them in your driveway. It's nice and everything. Or you could buy a car. If you get the car, the tires are on the car and then you, the tires actually work. They actually take you where you want to go. So it's the same thing. Like people want a living. They want to, they want to survive. I just say people want to survive. They want to pay the bills. That's great. I'm not against that. You need to pay the bills. You know, all of that. It's great. But if you just seek to pay the bills, you, it doesn't mean you'll live, but if you will find out what makes you live in the nature of your life and how to live survival comes with it, it, it naturally happens. Yeah. You don't even have to really think about how it happens. It actually will show you, it will show up and show you how to live to how to survive, but it comes with living. It's a package deal. It's like the tires, they come with the car and then they're useful <laughs> because a lot of people, once they always say my parents, I used to look and go, well, how much money, when will you start living? How much money will you need to start living? We never get there. Living never happens. Survival is just a perpetual 
hamster wheel over and over and over. And it's, yeah. yeah and so that's the gist of my, you know, I wrote a book and it's called living for a living. It's really about my journey out of an economy of survival yeah. into a, an economy of what I would call love-based service-based work versus survival-based work is a very different trajectory. Well, what you're saying is we have been conditioned and programmed into survival mode. And most people wake up day in, day out. It's the same thing, living life on a hamster wheel. And I 100% agree that we can be here and thrive, that our abundance is our birthright. And the only person keeping us stuck in a poverty mindset or health and sickness or anything less than abundance is ourself through our thoughts, through our conditioning. And I, and I love this saying, I heard it recently that you are not responsible for the conditioning you grew up in, you know, like zero to seven, but now that you know better, you are a hundred percent responsible for changing it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I love, I love this. And look, a lot of people either mirror what they grow up and that's by generational trauma, poverty after poverty, after poverty, or like you a lot of people want the exact opposite of what they grew up in, which you were able to be like, whoa, this is what I experienced. But what clicked or shifted in your mind, in your experience to go, wait a minute, there's another way. It's, it's, it, it's a great question. It's, it was a, it wasn't one thing. Um, mm-hmm. There were a series of things, but I remember meeting some people really, it was, through, through the, through witnessing another way of being. So I remember meeting some people and, you know, my, the messaging I was given my indoctrination in life was you got to work really hard. You got to bust your tail just to make it Mm -hmm. just to survive. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then life itself is not easy. And uh, it's really not about what you want in life. It's about what you have to do in life. And that's, that was the message. My parents kind of, it's all they knew. So I, I started witnessing people. I remember particularly this one guy in particular, I remember seeing his life. I was just observing him. I was always watching people like, do they have the answers? You know, who, who has the answers? And this guy was, wasn't like they, their life, there was a group of people, but specifically this guy, he, his life was, um, he just had a lot of fun. I could tell not in a escapism way, but like he was enjoying his life. He had rich relationships. He had rich um, experiences. He, the work, he loved his work. And it was like, his life seemed easy. It actually was like, it's like, everything just comes easy for this guy. Mm-hmm. So I remember asking him one day, talking, I was like, is life a struggle for you? He's like, no, it's great. It's a gift, such a gift. I was like, do you have no problems? He said, no, I have a lot of problems. And I was like, oh, why don't you, you don't seem burdened or, you know, weighed down by that. He goes, no, I love problems. I love them. And I'm like, why do you love problems? Who loves problems? He goes, Oh no, you love problems. You just don't see them correctly. Everybody loves, if you see, if you knew what a problem was, you'd love it. You would want more of them. He said, first of all, if it, dead people don't have problems. So the more you don't live, the less problems you'll have, the more you live, the more problems you have. He said, but so problems remind me that I'm alive and I'm doing things. I like, that's great. He said, but then he said, he goes, but do you like solutions? So I love solutions. He's like, you probably like them more than problems. Like, that's right. He said, but how will you get to the solution? Don't you need a problem? Mm. He says, so problems are, are doorways, they're portals to solutions. You need them to go beyond the physical. Uh, for expansion. So, for expansion. Yeah. So the solution, where does everything come from? Now, if we want to get into quantum mechanics, we understand that the source of 
everything that exists is this field, right? The, the field of infinite everything, infinite resources, infinite energy, infinite, yeah. whatever it may be. So when we tap into solution-based thinking, we're actually tapping into that realm where there are a finite number of problems, but there's an infinite number of solutions because it's, it's connected to that dimension, which is infinite in nature, which is the this quantum field. Now, if you're spiritual, you may understand that to be the divine, the kingdom of God, whatever you want to call it, but yeah. there's a realm, a dimension of perception in which all solutions are rooted in. And in order to tap into that, we, we have to come to the end of what seems like a, it seems like a limited possibility. That's what a problem is. It feels like, oh, there's, that's what a problem. We say, oh, there's no solution in this, this physical dimension here. That's, then we say, oh, that's a problem because we don't perceive a solution. Great. Because now that's, we have to go beyond it. We have to go beyond this physical dimension to actually get the solution. So creativity, a creative thought, an inspired thought mm -hmm. comes from not the past. So the physical realm is all rooted in past experience, right? We, we perceive through our lens of the past. So as long as we see the past and are drawing from the wellspring of the past, you mm -hmm. never experience anything new. So solutions happen when we go beyond the past and we go into the, this present moment dimension of infinite, infinite reality. And that's where, and so this guy was like showing, he was like, yeah, that's what I, that's why I love problems because there's always a solution. If there's not a solution, if I perceive that there's not a solution, problems become, they terrorize me because then now it becomes a, a, an expression of my limitation. That's how I've been living. I realized, oh my gosh, I have never considered the fact that there is an infinite number of solutions. I've only been perception, perceived that a limited this lack. It's a perception of there's a lack of resources, there's a lack of time, a lack of currency, like a whatever. It's lack of lack of love, lack of acceptance. And so if I'm living on that level of perception, yeah. then life is terrorizing me at every corner because it's just a reminder of what I don't have and what I can't access. And th that was a game changer for me to see him have a whole different perspective and relationship with life. Two things real quick. While you were saying that, what really came to mind is this is 100% a perception game. Mm -hmm. that you either see, I see challenge, quote, problems, challenges, obstacles. I see them as opportunity. It's like, oh, okay. It's like a little bump. It's like a chat. I like a good challenge. So again, do you see it as an, an opportunity or an obstacle? But uh, that word came to mind, the R word from earlier, I wrote it down, refractory period. And when you were talking oh. about how, you know, our current reality is based on all of our past experiences, kind of like that example I gave somebody who got divorced five years ago. Well, your refractory period, you're still five years into bitching and moaning about the past. So I just wanted mm -hmm. to bring that full That's circle. That's so good. I love that word. I'm going to remember that refractory period. Yes. Yes. 100%. Okay, so now what I want to dive into, and especially coming from a poverty background, which you experienced, I love your perception on money. Can you please explain mm. how you shared with me that money is currency? Take it from there. Mm. Totally. Okay, so, well, first of all, I've always had this question as a kid. I remember going, well, isn't it so weird, this thing we call money? It's like, it, at one point, it's green pieces of paper. We have metal has a markings on yeah. it. And we see yeah. Our whole life is dictated by how to get that. But then if you look at it, you're like, but what is it? But really, what is it? 
Well, on one level, we can say it's really nothing. I mean, like if you're lost and if you're out hiking in a, in the Yellowstone national forest and you're lost for three or four days and you, you, you might have a suitcase full of like, you might have a million dollars in a suitcase. It's worthless <clears throat> at that point, because you're like, I'm hungry. I mean, so, you know, it's like, this, what is that money going to do for you? It's nothing, but money is it's, it's telling the story. It's an exchange. So money in itself is nothing, but it's some, what, it, what it is, is what we give it. So we give it meaning. So the human consciousness says, this is what it's worth. Well, who says what it's worth? Well, we do. <laughs> we make it up. We literally say what it's worth. So where, so what is money actually? Well, I look at it as it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for energy. And it's a unit of energy that's being exchanged. That's what an economy is. An economy is we're exchanging something. So energy is being given, energy is being received. That's literally what the economy is. Well, where's the energy coming from? Well, energy is what everything is. So if energy cannot, we know this from physics 101, energy cannot be created or destroyed. It just changes form, right? So at the end of the day, the entire universe, including our bodies, everything is energy. So where is it being generated from? Life itself, the source of all life, generating all the energy. How much energy, how how much energy is there? All of it. Yeah. Infinite. It's infinite, right? So how much energy exists? All of it. Can you ever spend it? No, you cannot spend energy. You can exchange it. It comes and goes, but you cannot spend it. There's never less energy than there, you know, or or more of it than there ever is. It's just the same amount, which is all of it. So you have to, I always say, you have to start with everything. So, you know, if we, most of the problem is most of us are starting from perceptions of limited supply, that the energy is limited. So we're taught money is limited in nature. Money is not limited. Because when we understand, well, the, how much we print may be limited, but the, the root of it, what it is, is actually just energy. Well, there's, that's unlimited. So money, the root word of money is currency. The root word of currency is current, which is energy. So when we understand that energy is, everything is energy, it, it takes away the trauma because a lot of us have been traumatized because we were taught that the, the very essence of life is limited in supply, which is currency, which is money, which is energy. But in reality, we're generating it. So, you know, it's like if I lose my keys or my wallet, do they still exist? Or did I just like, yeah, they exist. They didn't just disappear. I remember like when the pandemic hit and I was reading a headline and stock market started tanking and they're like billions, trillions of dollars, a trillion dollars was lost you know, in a day or something. And it's like, where'd it go? Did it just evaporate? Like <laughs> yeah. if, you, if I lose my, my, my keys in my wallet, it's like, they it didn't just disappear. It's somewhere. Yeah. Where are they? Where they are, where they are. I always said my wallet, my keys. If, if I don't know where they are, they are where they are. I may not be aware of where they are, but they still exist. Well, we think, well, where'd the money go? Where's all the money? So I heard a guy one time was saying, he was kind of laying out his vision for what he wanted to do. And someone says, that's great and everything, but where are we going to get the money? He's like, oh, that's easy. Wherever it is, that's where we're going to get it from. So Bob Proctor used to say that. I, I remember one of his teachings. It's like, well, where is the money? Wherever it is now. So time out. If we can intellectualize and understand what you just said, which is simply that we created this concept of paper and coins, money in exchange for a service or good, if we can intellectualize and understand, okay, if money is just energy and there's enough to go around for all of us, how do I get more? 
Uh, well, I think that that's it's, so getting more money. So then I, what I like to do is ask, well, what would you feel? Yes. And I come back to, if you had more money, so we want more money. We say, okay, what would you feel? Well, some people would say, I'd feel really safe. I'd feel like I don't have to worry about my bills. Like, okay. So you want to feel safe. Great. Some people it's like, I would feel like I could be free and I could do whatever I wanted. So this is about a sense of freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, for another person to be like, you know, I would really feel like I'm, I have something to contribute to the world. This is about significance. For some people, if they're being honest, they'd say, well, I'd really feel like I'm worthy of being somebody's spouse or being somebody's like, I would have something to contribute and I would be worthy of love. It's like, okay, so you're, you want to be loved. Okay. No problem. Um, so what do we do? Well, that's the, the currency is just a means to an end, right? So the money that we want is a means to an end. So I always say, skip the middleman, let's cut it out, go right to the end. Yeah. Let's learn how to feel safe. Let's learn how to feel significant. And again, what we're saying is, it's another way of saying, let's learn how to experience the depth of who I am, because who you are is significant. Who you are is loved. Who you are is safe. Who you are is free. This is about coming home. Suffering, so another way of saying this, suffering is the degree to which we have been separated in our experience from who we are. That's why mm-hmm. we're suffering. Mm-hmm because it's the call home suffering is to say, Hey, look, come home. And when we turn and we begin to come home, this is an experience, a process. It's it's not an overnight thing. It's not something you can intellectualize or even think about as much as it's something to experience. The mind can just get Mm -hmm. you to the door, Mm -hmm. but entering the door and learning the process of experience is something, you know, you have to go beyond the mind to do. But once, as we experience that, then what we happens is money starts to tell the story. All money will do, our relationship with money will simply tell the story of our relationship with ourself. It's either not enough, <laughs> story is not enough. I don't feel like I'm enough. So money will tell the story, not enough. I don't feel safe. Money will tell the story, you're not safe. I'm not lovable. Money will tell the story. But the moment I start to realize who I am, money will tell that story too. Oh, it just comes to me when I need it. Yeah. Oh, it's... uh. It's showing me that it's always there for, it's always enough to pay, you know, take care of my living and I'm safe. All Yeah. It's going to show you money. will show you how safe you are or how unsafe you feel. Money will show you how significant you are or how uns- insignificant you feel. It's just a mirror. Okay. So I, I just have a couple notes that I would like to help unpack from my perspective, what I hear you saying. And I've heard this before that ultimately you're right. It is not about money. It is about those end feelings and results. And the one I hear the most is freedom and safety and the ones you shared. But ultimately, if people realize, oh, you just want to feel free. And then when we get onto the topic of manifesting, right, that's just being in alignment with. So if we, that's why, you know, Dispenza and all these other guys out there teaching quantum physics, teaching manifesting from a space of quote science, all they're saying is when you already feel free, whole, complete, when you're no longer wanting, because wanting means lack, wanting is a misalignment. When you live from those end results, money is a byproduct. It's just, it's what happens. 100%. Okay. So I like to, if I feel lacking in a certain area, I, there's a, tendency to go say, Oh, I I shouldn't feel that. But I go, no, 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 thank you. I feel lacking. 
thank you. Let me welcome it. It's an indicator. It's kind of like, a, you know, on your iPhone, it gives you a notification. This is a notification uh, that I need to feel something. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's an inward focus. Let me shift inward so I can feel what I want the money to make me feel. And this is what I start. And the reason I love talking about money is because most people are struggling and have that lack in poverty mindset. And it's just a shift, you know, shift in perception. Sure. But here's what I start. Yeah. Ultimately, your bank account is a reflection of your internal state. Like you just said, a notification on your phone, be like, oh, oh, good. Totally. This lack of money is just a reminder that, oh, if I just shift my thinking, how I think and I feel, and I step into how I'd want to feel with more money, then the money comes because I've changed my internal state. Totally. Okay. Oh, it, and if you, if we're focused on the physical, we will always feel lacking. That's another thing to keep yeah. in mind is like, so, so Jeff, who, who's the richest person? I think it's might be Jeff Bezos, right? Um, right now. The, no, the, the I think unquote, didn't, somebody else just passed him. But anyway, these near, I think Elon Musk is just shy of a trillionaire. Okay. So let's look at Elon Musk. If I can, there is more money outside of Elon Musk's bank account than inside. So, Boom. so if I'm focused on the physical nature, it, it, at some point, if I'm focused, you could be Elon Musk and you will be reminded See, we're not going to be okay. I always convinced human beings will not settle for less than infinity of anything. We want it all. And that's okay. That's not a problem. But if we're trying to get there through the finite, we're going to feel limited. Mm -hmm. So if I fixate on my bank account, I'm going to feel impoverished. I don't care how much was in there. I always say, but who has, so what the money is like, well, there's more money. Take it back to the air conversation. If I just look at the air in my lungs, I'm going to feel like, I'm going to feel like I'm suffocating. Oh my gosh. There's just this little bit of air in my lungs, but the air I have access to is all of it. So there's air outside the lungs. There's air inside the lungs. So I don't, I don't make the distinction between the air inside and outside the lungs. Yeah. It's all mine. Mm. I take it as I need it. Mm. That is actually, whether I know we haven't been conditioned this way, this, that is actually money. Because money is currency, it's energy. How much energy and currency do I have access to? All of it. Some of it's in your account, and most, more, majority of it's not. But you will access it as you need it. And if you can approach life that way, there's nothing to be afraid of. I just wrote that down in all caps. All of it. All of it. All of it. All and of you're it. right. Come on, guys. We know that money does not buy happiness. Millionaires and beyond take their own life because money wasn't the answer. That is totally. not what we're seeking. Um, gosh, I feel like we only, you know, just got a tip of the iceberg about everything we we're talking about. But uh, for the sake of time, we did cover a lot today. So what is one key takeaway you want listeners to get? You know, if, if there's one thing <clears throat> I would, I would encourage people with, it would be this. Your suffering, first of all, is, is simply a root. It's simply rooted in your, your experiences, your past experiences. The sense of limitation that you feel in your life is simply rooted. It's not your fault. It's not, doesn't mean you're bad or something wrong with you. It just means this is the drama that is rooted in your psychological experiences, rooted in the past, rooted in the past. If, so you, the very life that you want, you can have, I know that can seem daunting to some folks, you know, depending on what you're experiencing, but the moment you break out of the past as a reference point, everything is possible. And so the life you want to live, I just want you to know 
that you can actually learn how to experience that and tap into that. And it is not only something you can do, it's actually something you're here on this earth to experience to the degree that you, that you can hear this message. So um, that's my encouragement is don't settle for anything less than all of it, everything. And know this, that you have just as much access to life as Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, doesn't matter who we say, yeah. you have just as much access to everything because we all come from the same source. The same power that's energizing them is the same power energizing you. It's no different. Yes. And it's like, we just forgot who we are. I love that. Here's what I would love to do. I, I to wrap up the interview. I have a few rapid fire questions. Sure. What is a quote or motto that you live by? Oh my gosh. Um, and it sounds good. It, it, I am just, I, 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 that's my, that's my quote. I just, I am. I actually I got that. that from Neville Goddard teachings. Mm. I love Neville the way mm -hmm. he says it, and even from kind of a biblical tone, which mm -hmm. I don't have a religious background, but I love Neville's teachings. And you're right. It is as simple as I am. I am all of it. All of it. Life itself. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? Yeah, I'm actually not that big of a reader to be completely honest. Um, you know, that's a great, that's a, this one always stumps me. Um, I, there's, so, there, I've read a lot of great books. Um, you know, probably a book called Karma um, written by an author uh, named Sadhguru. Uh, very insightful into the nature of karma. We tend to think of karma as just this action reaction kind of thing, you know, and there's, yeah. it's so much more than that. And it's, it's a beautiful, very liberating uh, reality. And so it's, it, I've really appreciated that book question on that. I have the perspective that life is a boomerang, simply whatever we put out, we get back good or bad. And that's what I think of as karma, because I, I think a lot of people think, oh, karma's going to get you like it's a negative thing. And I think karma no. just is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a, a punishment reward thing at all. It's, yeah. it is. So it is exactly the, 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 an aspect of it is, is it's action and reaction. So we know this in science and physics, it says every action has equal and opposite reaction, right? So the energy you put out obviously comes back, but the, the karma is, it's not just, that's the tip. That's like the tip of the spear of karma, but karma would get into why the things occur to even lead to the certain action that you put out there. So for example, mm -hmm. <clears throat> analogy I like to use is let's say you were feeling really generous one day and you were out at the store and you wanted to, sh you have two friends that really are meaningful to you and you wanted to get them a gift. So you, let's say you buy two, this gift for both of your friends and you just want to, just want to encourage them and surprise them. And so you get them this gift and you give it to them. And one friend may open the gift and they're thinking like, well, what's, it's not even my birthday. Like, why, why did you get this for me? And you're like, I just, appreciate you. And I'm so thankful for you. And I wanted to sh just show you how much I really value you. And she might be like, Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I don't, I just feel so, I feel overwhelmed by love. It's just amazing. So she opened the gift and she loves it. And then, and then she, the gift is like icing on the cake. It's like, just the fact that you thought of her and gave her this gift is like enough. And the, and now she loves like, Oh, this is exactly what I need. And she loves it. And the second friend can experience the same thing, give her the gift. And she's like, in her mind, she's like, what is this? Like, well, I just wanted to give you a gift. And she's probably thinking like, that's weird. Like, it's not even my birthday. 
um man what it like what's this i wonder what she wants like was there some strings attached here like what's this about you might not say that but that's how that's how she's experiencing she gets you opens a gift and then it's like i don't really know what to do with this like i don't really even like that like we've been friends for like 20 like you know 20 years like like i just would like like why don't people know what i like and honestly now i have to go out and get her a gift because it's going to be really rude if i don't um and i just only have the money for that so that experience this is the same thing that happened to two people so i would say that how not just what they're how they're responding so one 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 friend is acting in authenticity acting in with gratitude well that karmic rea reactions are going to be one thing for her for the other friend there's an inauthenticity. There's a sense of not really sharing how she feels because what she feels inside is not good. And she's also experiencing this as a negative thing. Well, it's karma is not just what they're doing. Karma is also how they're experiencing the, that event. Mm. It's just a gift on the surface. So karma is like, so the karma is our psychological um, imprinting that colors how we experience everything. Wow. It's the, and it's rooted in cycles and memory yeah. patterns of memory. And that's really what's wrapped up in our karma. So the more we react from karma, the more it's like that record player, those old record players that you would like, you, you, you'd crank up. Well, the more you react, the more you crank it up and the more it plays. And so then that record plays and that what's a record can only play is one thing, whatever's grooved into it, which is the past. Yeah. It's never the present. It's, yeah. it's whatever was recorded on that record is the past. So it's like, keeps repeating. This is why patterns repeat for people over and over and over because they're reacting to these karmic patterns. And so what we need to do is create distance from that so that we can let it play itself out, stop reacting. And as we stop reacting, we start responding. Mm. When we respond, not react, that record stops playing. Just by doing that, we stop energizing it. And that's, that's the possibility that karma presents to us, to all of us. Well, that's another way to look at it. That's amazing. All right. Final question for you. What advice would you give your younger self? Oh my goodness. That's a great, that's a great question. Um, relax and understand that everywhere you want to be and go is happening for you. It's happening right now. Yeah. Just participate, just play, just play without any resistance. Man, that was a key word. Relax. I love that. Jamal, this was a phenomenal conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed talking with you and thank you for creating the show. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. I'd love it if you could leave a review and remember to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. If you haven't yet, connect with me on the social platforms. You can add me on Instagram at heather.hakes and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'll catch you on the next episode.